You're listening to Into the Fire, a series about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how they persevered in their faith despite great adversity. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, to Azariah, Abednego. Now let me stop for just a second because you might read that and you might think, well, that's, that's not really a big deal. They just got, they just got new, new names. But what you've got to understand is that in this culture, names really had significant meaning. Names meant something. You just didn't name one of your kids something because you liked a character on a particular television show. Hey, you know what? I like this name, so I'm going to name my kids that. They, they, they really did. They had, they had meaning. And so all of these names, man, Daniel, Hananiah, Hananiah Mishael, and Azariah, those names were, were tied to the worship of Yahweh. They were tied to the worship of the one true God. And so the king couldn't have that. So not only does he destroy their homeland, not only does he remove them from their homeland, but he takes away their name. He wants to strip them of their identity and he gives them new names. See that name Daniel, what that word actually means is Elohim is my God. Uh, Elohim is my judge. God is my judge. And so his name is changed to Belteshazzar. And that means that Baal is my judge. A false God is my judge. Hananiah means I am under Yahweh's grace. His name is changed to Shadrach, which means I am under Aku's command. Another false God. Mishael means who is what God is. His name is changed to Meshach. And that name means who is what Aku is. Azariah means servant of Yahweh. His name is changed to Abednego, which means I am a servant of Nego. Nebo was, uh, was a god of the Babylonian culture. And so the king changed their name. Why? Because now, every time somebody called their name, it was a reminder to them that you no longer worship your god. You're no longer associated with your God. You are associated with our God. He stripped them of their identity. And then depending upon what translation of the Bible you're looking at, see, sometimes it says they were under the care of the chief official, but some translations actually say that it was the chief eunuch, Ashpenaz. He was the chief of eunuchs. See, remember the king wanted the best of, be best of the best. He wanted the best looking guys, the smartest guys, these guys who were, who were ripped, who were swole. And so he couldn't have guys like that around his ladies, right? Because he didn't, want, he didn't want those guys to be tempted to go after his women, and he didn't want his women to be tempted to go after, after those guys. So you know what that meant? He made Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he made those guys eunuchs. You say, well, what does that mean, Pastor? Well, I ain't telling you it's Mother's Day. Call your mama and ask her. Psh, you know what I'm saying? I ain't about to get into all that. But anyway, this stuff is crazy. You think, you think that you've got some hard times? If you really think about what happened to these guys, if you really understand what happened to them, you know, when you think about what you're going through and what I'm going through, we really don't have that much to complain about. But this was tough. So their names have been changed. They've been through this medical procedure that I promise you wasn't fun. They're in an evil land where evil is being forced on them, yet these guys stand firm. They stand firm. They persevered. How? How were they able to do that? 
Well, for the rest of the time that we've got together this morning, I want to show you three things about Daniel. Three things about Daniel that helped him to persevere, because if you and I really hope to persevere in this world, we're going to have to learn these things as well. So the first thing, if you're keeping notes, you want to write them down. The first thing I want you to see is that God wants us to stand out by being people of conviction, by being people of conviction. Look at verse five again. That verse says this, the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound bad at all. Eating food from the king's table, being able to eat like a king. How many of y'all ever, you, you said, man, I wish I could eat like a king, right? Steak, lobster, some of y'all line up in church, man. Everybody help me out. You know what I mean? Y'all, y'all, y'all want to eat like kings. I know that I want to eat like, like a king. Uh, but I remember when Amanda and I, we first got married, man, uh, we were poor. At least I thought we were poor. Uh, but then we had a child. We had our first child. And then I really realized what being poor really meant. You know what I mean? Uh, trying to buy diapers, trying to buy wipes, trying to buy baby food. Any parent, you know what I'm talking about? Man, it's, it's hard. It's hard. And so, uh, you know what I mean? So, but one of the things about us is that we were poor, but we loved pizza. We really did. Uh, and this was before we had a little Caesars where you could go and get a, a $5 hot and ready anytime. You know what I mean? And so uh, we still love pizza. So you know how we ate pizza a lot of time? We'd go into the cabinet, we'd get us a plate, and we'd get 16 crackers. And we'd put those 16 crackers on that plate. We'd make a big square. Then we'd go to our refrigerator where we would get our free cheese because we qualified for WIC. And we'd put four pieces of cheese on that. Uh, we'd put those four pieces of cheese in that microwave and we heated it up, man, and we ate pizza. That was our pizza. You say, man, Robert, why didn't you get DiGiorno? Because we was struggle pizza. You know what I'm saying? That's what we was eating. We was on a budget, man. We was poor. And so when I see these guys about to eat food from the king's table, man, I'm like, that sounds all right to me. We want to eat like kings. But the problem is that any food that was prepared for the king, any wine that went to the king, it had been dedicated. It had all been dedicated, dedicated to pagan gods. And so this created a real problem for Daniel and his friends. Because even though they were surrounded by all this evil, even though they were surrounded by this evil society, they still wanted to honor God in every way that they could. They were people of conviction. And they decided, you know what? We may not be able to do anything about what's happening to us, but we can do something about what happens in us. And we're going to take a stand. We're going to stand out. We're going to be different. And so look at verse 8 again. The Bible says this, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Daniel resolved. Daniel resolved. What in the world does that mean? It means Daniel was determined. Daniel predecided, you know what? No matter what happens, I'm not going to defile myself. And what's interesting is that Daniel never took a stand when they changed his name. He didn't take a stand when, when they changed his name. You know what? He was like, hey, you can call me whatever you want to call me, but whatever you call me doesn't determine who I really am. God determines who I really am, and I'm going to depend on what God says about me, and that's who I'm actually going to be. He didn't take a stand when they changed his name. He didn't take a stand when he was forced to go to this school and learn all this stuff that wasn't true. He probably thought, you know what? You can try to teach me whatever you want to teach me, but I know what I actually believe. I'm not going to boycott school. I know what's truth. I'm not going to worry about what you're trying to teach me. Daniel didn't take a stand when they changed his name. He didn't take a stand when they were trying to teach him all this false stuff in school. He took a stand 
when it was requiring him to do something that was against God's law. That's when he took a stand. See, most of the food that the king would have provided them with would have been forbidden according to Levitical law. And so not only that, but food that was dedicated to a pagan god. In Daniel's mind, he would have thought that he was actually that he was he was actually pledging allegiance to a pagan god that that he was actually honoring a pagan god so Daniel refused to do it he was a man of conviction are you a person of conviction am i are we people of conviction see the world is going to try to get you to do all sorts of things that are outside of god's will for your life the world wants you to compromise premarital sex, drugs, drunkenness, take advantage of other people, lie, steal, cheat, gossip, be greedy, forget about church, forget about God. It's going to try, you, try to get you to do all sorts of things, again, that God doesn't intend for you to do. And unless you are a person of conviction, you're going to cave. You're going to compromise. We've got to do what Daniel did. Daniel resolved he resolved, he determined, hey, you know what? I'm not gonna do that. He was determined. He took a stand. So God wants us to stand out by being people of conviction. The second thing, if you're keeping notes, you wanna write it down, I want you to see is that God wants us to be people of character. He wants us to be people of character. See, once you determine what your convictions are gonna be, that's going to determine how you behave. Uh, I love verse eight. Again, it says this, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself. Some translations will say that Daniel purposed in his heart. Character is all about your heart. Daniel had a choice. Daniel had a choice and the choice he made revealed his character. Listen to me, the choices that you make the choices that you, you have, they, they, don't, they don't make your character. The choices that you actually make reveal your character. They reveal your character. They reveal who you really are. And, get, and godly, godly character is doing what is right as God defines it, regardless of the consequences and regardless of the cost. Put yourself in Daniel's shoes. Put yourself in his shoes. You got this great food right in front of you. This steak, filet mignon. Man, it's been marinated and grilled to perfection. It looks so good. It's got to be from God, right? It looks so good. It's got to be from God. Now, you may not be like me, but I can see myself rationalizing in my mind why I should do this. Why I should do this. I mean, Robert, it looks so good. You got to eat, Robert. You got to eat. Because, because, hey, hey, God's going to forgive you. He'll understand this one time. And look at all the other captive Jews. They're, they're eating, and it doesn't look like God is striking them down. Just do it, Robert. It's not a big deal. Does anybody else have conversations like that sometimes in your mind when it comes to some of the things that you are tempted to do? No one will ever know. Everybody else is doing it. It's no big deal. Here's the thing, if you're not a person of character, when you start having a conversation like that, you're probably gonna cave. You're probably gonna compromise. 
you'll probably give in to what you're being tempted to do. Character is doing what is right because it is the right thing to do. Daniel said, all that other stuff, I can't help. But I can help this. I can't help this. Uh, I, I can help this right here, eating this food, even though it would be so easy for me to do this, even though no one would blame me for doing what I'm about to do, even though people would say, hey, it's okay. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Daniel was able to stand again because he was a person of character. So if you want to stand out, if you want to be the kind of person that God wants you to be, you and I need to be people of conviction. We need to be people of character. And the third thing, if you're keeping notes, you want to write it down, is we need to be people of courage. We need to be people of courage. See, if you study the English language, there really are all sorts of big words out there. You know what I mean? Fancy, fancy words. Y'all still with me? Come on now, y'all still with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's all sorts of fancy words out there. And, and have you ever been talking to somebody that was like super smart? They, didn't, they were like so smart they didn't talk normal. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like if you needed to go to the bathroom, you'd say, hey man, I gotta go to the bathroom, okay? Uh, I need to go to the restroom. But they would never say something like that, right? They would be like, oh, pardon me. I need to go alleviate my urinary bladder. And you'd be like, what? You know what I'm saying? That's, I mean, you know what I mean? But they just, don't, they just don't talk normal. They use all these big words, these fancy words, they, these great words. Well, let me, let, me, let me tell you a great word, a great word that we all need to learn, a great word that we all need to learn, especially when it comes to temptation, especially when it comes to compromising on the things of God. And that word that you and I need to learn is no. No. Everybody say no. No. We need to learn to say no. Daniel said no. He said no to compromise. He said no to defiling himself. And it took courage. Some of the people in this room, I'm telling you, you've got to learn to say no. Yes, you're going to be tempted. Yes, you're going to be tested. But you can say no to compromise. You can say no to defiling yourself. You can say no to going to, with the flow. You can say no to being just like the world. It takes courage to say no. And it takes courage to say yes to God. Look at verse 8 again. It says this, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now that seems simple enough. Seems simple enough, but it's not because watch. Look at verse 10. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men? The king would then have my head because of you. Now remember, I already told you how evil King Nebuchadnezzar really was. You didn't cross him. You didn't test him. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't buck the system. Because this, this, this chief eunuch, he knew that. Because that actually might have been the way that he became a eunuch in the first place. He knew. You don't mess with King Nebuchadnezzar. And so he could say, hey, you know what, man? Uh, if I, uh, that's what he's basically saying. If I don't follow his rules, I can die. If I don't do what he has ordered me to do, I can die. And, 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 and so he could just tell the king, hey, look, king, Daniel is refusing to eat what you've told him to eat. And you know what that would have meant? It would have meant that the king just would have killed Daniel. Why? Because to refuse something that the king was giving you was an insult. It, it took courage for Daniel to say no. Every time he said no, when he did this, he was literally putting his life on the line. This took 
courage. I'm telling you, it takes courage to say no to this world. It takes courage to say no to the world and yes to God. We read this passage and it sounds like Daniel just said no one time and that was it, but that's not it. That's not it. Because Daniel, again, he had to say no day in and day out. He had to say no week in and week out. He had to say no month in and month out. He had to say no for breakfast, no for lunch, no for supper. Man, he had to say no on Monday, no on Tuesday, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. He had to say no. It took courage for him to say no, especially in the midst of such a secular society, especially in the midst of a society where everybody else was doing what they were trying to get him to do. It took courage. And here's the deal. Here's the point. See, you need to know that God wants you and he wants me to stand out. He does. The problem with too many Christians or the problem with too many people who call themselves Christians is that they're just sort of Christian. They're just sort of Christian. If you were to ask them, do you believe in God? They'd say, well, yeah. If you were to ask them, are you a Christian? They'd say, well, yeah, I'm not something else. I'm a Christian. If you were to ask them, well, what makes you different? They might say, well, I'm a good person. I go to church on Easter, Christmas, I try to go when I can. I go every, every now and then, but let me ask you. If you were to work out one time a year, would that make you physically fit? Some of us have tried it, right? You know what I mean? We're like, please, God, let this work. If you were to work out just once a month, would that make you physically fit? No. If you just tell your wife that you love her once a year, is she going to believe that? No. See, logically, we know that. And so what I'm telling you is that you can't go to church once a month and say that, that, that you're making God a priority in your life. You can't even go to church once a week and say that you're making God a priority in your life. Listen to me. We're supposed to seek God. We're supposed to worship God. We are supposed to serve God, walk with God, depend on God. You and I are supposed to feed on his word. We are supposed to walk by faith. We are called to, to do that every day of our life, not every now and then. And when we truly do that, I'm telling you, we will stand out. We'll stand out. See, I'm, I'm wrapping up. I'm almost done. But I want you to think about this. If Daniel and his friends... If, if they wouldn't have stood out, if, if they would not have been people of conviction, people of character, and people of courage, if they wouldn't have been those people, nothing historic would have happened. Nothing historic would have happened. And I don't know about you, but with all of my heart, I would rather be remembered for standing out than forgotten for blending in. I'd rather be remembered for standing out than forgotten for blending in. See, if you're always blending in, listen to me, because you need to hear that. If you're always blending in, you're not fully committed to Christ. You're not. We don't stand out to make a statement. We stand out because God has called us to be different. He's called us to be different. Satan loves for us to blend in to blend in, to be just like everybody else. 
He loves for you and I to make compromises. He loves for you and I to mess up. But God, God has something different in mind for us. He wants us to stand out. So are you standing out? Are we different? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk. But I do know that the Bible says many are going to say to Jesus, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this in your name? Lord, Lord, didn't we? We came to church every now and then. Lord, Lord, we gave every now and then. And God's going to look at them. And he's going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. Because you weren't different. You never let me have your heart. You never let me live inside of you. You never let me change you. And so if you're here today and you know that there's nothing different about you, oh, you come to church every now and then, but you know you still got that same old heart. You know that you need to change. And you'd say, today, I want to do that. Today, I want to become a new creation. Today, I want to give my heart and my life to Jesus. Today, I want to be saved. If that's you today, right where you are, I'm just going to ask that you lift your hand. You know you need to be saved. Amen. You know you need to be changed. Amen. He's called you to stand out, not blend in. Hey, look, if you raised your hand, I'm going to ask right where you are that you pray with me. Father, today, I confess my sins. Father, today, I ask for your forgiveness. Forgive me for living for myself. I accept what Jesus did on the cross for me. I confess Jesus as Lord. And I ask today that you would make me into a new person, a different person, somebody who stands out. Empower me with your Holy Spirit to be who you want me to be so that when people look at me, they'll know that I'm different. So that when people look at me, they'll know that I'm yours. Thank you for saving me. Father, I also want to pray for each and every person in this room. Because, Father, sometimes we are tempted to compromise. We're tempted to cave in. We're tempted to do things that are not honoring to you. And so, Father, I pray that you would forgive us for that, that you would help us, help us to be your people, help us to be bold, help us to stand out. 
I pray all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.